0: This episode is brought to you by R1 RCM, a leading provider of technology-driven solutions that transform the financial performance of hospitals, health systems, and medical groups. R1 delivers proven, scalable operating models that power sustainable improvements to net patient revenue while reducing operating costs. To learn how you can build a future-ready revenue cycle today, visit us at www r1rcm.com/beckers
1: hello and welcome to this episode of the beckers hospital review podcast my name is will riley from r1rcm with me today is michelle Foggers lecky michelle is the cfo at uw medicines valley medical center michelle it's wonderful to have you on the podcast today thank you for making the time Do you want to just introduce yourself a little bit and tell us a bit about your background?
0: Of course. Thank you for having me. I have been in medicine over 35 years. I have held various roles from clinical roles way back in the day to uh, various administrative roles. For the last two years, I've been the CFO at Valley Medical Center, as you mentioned. For the 12 years prior to that, I was the chief contracting officer for the UW Medicine Health System and um, started their direct-to-employer ACO.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much, Michelle. So we're going to just touch on four or five questions today that are top of mind for many healthcare CFOs and leaders as we head into 2024. Um, I want to start with a really difficult one off the bat, which is um, payer provider relations. Uh, It's a difficult area, um, can, can be very obviously very contentious. Just tell us a little bit about how your organization is approaching payer interactions right now.
0: So Washington state is a different climate than the rest of the U.S., right? Each state seems to have its own feel when it comes to payer relations. Uh, we are on a consortium that helps us discuss across the nation some, some of the different ways that we approach payers in case one's more effective than another. Our approach is largely collaborative. We really try hard to forge a payer-provider partnership. Uh, Some payers make it a little more difficult than others, but we find that when we innovate together, it's a little easier if they can be more upfront about what they need from us, and we can be more proactive about getting them what they need. Things usually run a little smoother. So a collaboration really helps. uh, In the negotiation setting, of course, it's always tense. Unprecedented inflation, Uh, our wage inflation in Washington is over 20%, so keeping up with those as as that wages are our primary cost of care and keeping up with that cost, payers have a very hard time keeping up. They don't usually shell out increases that are that large, so it has been a really rough road. All of our negotiations have been extremely tense throughout the market in, in the Seattle area, and... Things usually come down to the wire, but if you have really strong relationships with your payer colleagues and there hasn't been a significant amount of turnover, it usually can come to a win-win.
1: Mm, mm. So it comes down to people. <laughs>
0: it comes down to people. It comes down to the relationships. It comes down to the ability to collaborate. It comes down to finding places where you can give and them finding places where they can give.
1: One of the, um, I suppose the the uh, unintended consequences of a of a of a relationship that it, that isn't working is is denials um yes. and so i want to talk about that for a second you know at the, at the back end of the of the process there but it's a sign that things are are going wrong that that communication maybe isn't working as well as it should we're seeing uh, denials increase across the board um in our own data over the last couple of years along with longer times to pay as well can you tell us a little bit about how that experience is manifesting with you right now
0: So my experience, I'm pretty well versed in the payer realm. And my experience is that they're at an all-time high. Denials are at an all-time high. There's no question. Uh, I'm going to be frank and say that from my perspective, I believe that a lot of the denials are happening for the sake of making them happen. And they happen because many providers do not have the resources to track or follow up. So if they, you know, it's about, it's almost a game of chicken. (laughs) Who is willing to stick in longer? Who's willing to be most tenacious? And that's who's going to win. Um, We, at least 20% of our denials from commercial payers are on for no authorization on cases we have authorizations for. So that's problematic. And, And the payer seems not disturbed by it in any way the payer seems to say, you can come back and we'll reprocess. If you just tell us you have that authorization, we'll reprocess. That's a lot of additional administrative work for the payer. It's additional administrative work for the provider, work I can't afford, right? And then time I can't afford, but it does delay payment. And especially on larger cases, it it delays payment long enough for them to, to, to keep their money longer, right? So I do think it's a tactic I hope that legislatively we can do something about it because it feels a little bit more like game playing than it used to be, and I think the smaller providers are taken advantage of in this situation. And when you really don't know how to navigate the system, you and stand your ground. It is, uh, and you don't have the right tools, and the right the right software, the right resources, the right backup to to help you in these areas. It you tend to lose a lot of money and you tend to lose more money than the practice can bear. So it really is, I think, helping contribute. It's a primary contributor, I think, to our shortage of healthcare. And we have a huge shortage in Washington state. And I know there's a shortage across the nation. I really think that denials is a big part of that. So should something be done? Yes. And um, I do believe people should pay more attention and invest more.
1: I mean, how do you deal with that as a CFO? Because it must be, tremendously disruptive to, to your teams. You mentioned the extra work, the administrative work. Um, how, 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 what kind of impact has that had in your, in your finance team? It
0: is, it's had, it has a significant impact in the amount of money we have to write off. It has a significant impact in the satisfaction of our staff. So it has a significant impact in our turnover, which is our highest cost. It has a significant impact in the amount of staff I have to have clearly if I have to, continue to fight for things that I have really proactively taken care of. Like most providers, we aren't providing health care the patient doesn't need. So it's very interesting to have a 20% plus denial rate on the back end with some of these payers, right? So, you know, no, no patient is anteing up for chemotherapy that they didn't need. I promise you, they're not in line for that. On a varicose vein or two, I understand it, but Something's gotten out of hand here. Uh, I would say that it is a it's part of the significant financial stress stress and definitely, I would love somebody to quantify nationally the huge amount that it contributes to the waste in healthcare. You know the billions that we waste in healthcare every year. This has got to be a huge portion of it anymore.
1: It would seem so. And um, mm-hmm. going back to your comments about negotiations and relationships in the first place. A high throw in a high inflation environment a difficult labor market and it's the last thing you need right yes. yeah so let's switch gears to another kind of frontier and another touch point between the health system and the the wider world the regulatory environment another area um that as a cfo you're looking at <laughs> thinking about trying to keep up with One of the things that strikes us about the regulatory environment is not just how complex it is, probably always been complex, but it seems to be changing very quickly as well. So you've got complexity and high speed of change or volatility maybe is a a word to use there. Can you tell us a little bit about how that's manifesting in daily life for you?
0: So in daily life for us, I have to say we watch the regulatory environment extremely closely because as you said, it's very dynamic every year there are things on the floor in the regulatory environment that are that could be damaging that could be extremely costly and honestly that could help the entire situation so we watch our legislation very closely both at the federal and state level you have no choice anymore as a cfo but to watch for those things what i would say is that in the state and nationally it seems as if the provider is is taking a big brunt in our opinion, of the blame for the higher cost of healthcare, or of the, yeah, the the finger pointing, I would say, and I'm not sure that I feel that that's the case. With with the denials at an all time high, with regulatory costs at an all time high, with um, with governing bodies and licensures and compliance and 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 quality and all the all the investments that you have to make in the infrastructure, costs are going to go up. And then you add unprecedented wage inflation to that and, and the other fallouts from the pandemic. And I really think that I I feel a little beat up as a provider, I'll say that. I think the Affordable Care Act does a lot to protect the profitability in the health plan. Uh, nobody ever looks at the provider as somebody who actually needs to sustain. And I think we're seeing that in the closures of hospitals all across the country. If you read your Beckers every day You'll see, there's hospitals closing every week, and something different has to happen
1: there.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, a change in mindset has to happen there.
1: In the in the in the regulatory environment, are there specific areas that are more challenging, say, for you as a health system right now, or more difficult to keep up with?
0: I would say in our state, the most challenging parts are, you know, some of the staffing rules and some of the reimbursement rules. Mm-hmm. Also, the in, at the federal level, the No Surprises Act, mm-hmm. right? That is, that's a very challenging thing for, and it's a very challenging thing for our non-employed physician groups. Uh, their, their inability to sustain because it gave payers a way to no longer contract with them and be able to pay a lower rate than they were paying before by not being contracted. And so it has really uh, changed the dynamic for these larger single specialty groups that might be hospital-based, anesthesia, emergency room, pathology, radiology, uh, hospitalists, intensivists. So those, those practices are finding it harder and harder to sustain and are seeking employment all across the nation because of things like the No Surprises Act. Now, I do believe that the consumer shouldn't have surprises. It's not that. There's got to be a way to go about this so that somebody doesn't have to be a victim in all of this and we don't have all that collateral damage. We have doctors retiring at an unprecedented rate. Our kids are coming out of medical school. Call them kids, sorry. But um, our students are coming out of medical school and we are finding that they don't necessarily want to practice medicine. And if they do, not for long, right? And we can't afford to have that happen. We can't afford to, to... educate all these doctors and spend all these years on them and then have them want to go the administrative route because it's too hard to maintain in the practice route. We, we have to figure out something as a nation, we have to figure out something or there's going to be a shortage of healthcare in this nation if there isn't already.
1: Yeah. Okay. Let's end then with a quick discussion about the, the uh, stakeholder at the heart of it all, the patient, uh, the consumer of healthcare. Um, Another area that has seen a lot of change because we as individuals bring different expectations to our healthcare experience than we did 20 years ago, probably. Um, Let's talk a little bit about that because you've got uh, individuals in stressful situations encountering a highly complex system. We've touched on some of the complexity already, (laughs) let alone the clinical complexity. Um, So tell us a little bit about how the changing consumer experience is landing with you today please.
0: So consumer demand is, is very, very important. Uh, I don't think our, as medical systems, we've gotten there from a service perspective yet. You know, I, I really think that the consumer expects a level of service that they aren't getting from us yet. And it would be great to someday deliver that. But right now I would say our biggest, our biggest battle is the access for the consumer. You know, it's important that people who are sick and people who are need, need care have access to care and are able to get care when they need it and where they need it. And I would say that's the biggest thing we're battling, you know, trying to beef up our outpatient presence, trying to make urgent cares available. Our urgent cares are bursting at the seams. They stay open hours extra every night so that they can see everybody that comes through. So we're trying to meet them where they are. We've set up a virtual urgent care option. We're starting on a virtual virtual primary care options. Uh, we have a telemedicine, um, branch for, for our employees so they can get their urgent care via telemedicine. We are really striving to meet the consumer where they need it, meet the new consumer where their expectations are, but still have the access that they need. Some things have to be taken care of in person. So. It's, it's about getting out to the community and making sure that you have all avenues of communication open to be able to serve your patient base. Make sure you've got what they need, where where they need and when they need it.
1: And let's just last question, um, the most vulnerable uh, populations, um, how, What can you tell us a little bit about your, your safety net strategy?
0: So we're a public district hospital 501 C three organization and an affiliate of UW medicine. We, that is our mission is, is to treat our, our community like family, to treat our patients like family. So we strive to, um, serve a very diverse population. We're the most diverse city in our state and. We have about 14 languages that are primary that come through our doors every day. So we really are well-versed at, at serving a broad base of community that is largely underserved. And we have, in, being in Washington state, we're, we're a safety net state. So we have a lot of undocumented populations from all across the world. And we tend to see those at our at our hospital I, I would say that is our, one of our top priorities is serving the underserved. I would say as an industry, we make it very difficult. State regulation hasn't kept up there. They encourage uh, undocumented people to come to the state, but they provide no safety net for them in healthcare. So the safety net in our state is left for the provider. The provider must provide that free care. Um, they don't have a safety net where somebody undocumented can be, for instance, on our Medicaid program. And the Fed federal government does not either, right? So we open our borders, but we don't provide any of the basic needs when it comes to healthcare needs. And almost everyone when they're coming across our borders has some t- type of healthcare need. You know, even if it's just the basic physical every year, right? They need health care. So there's a disconnect there somewhere um and i don't know how to fix that but right now i do know that a very large part- portion of the care we provide that we categorize as, as um charity care because that's how it's categorized in the industry is for those vulnerable populations that are that are undocumented or um, typically underserved so
1: Michelle- We'll end there. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective today. It's been really fascinating hearing from you. Thank you. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Very nice meeting you.